1: Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again
2: made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, the RNC convention is in the bag, and uh, Mark is off tonight. I'm Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Great to be with you tonight. President ended the week with a big bang, as in fireworks, right over the nation's capital. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one is our number. Did you watch the speech? Did you watch the convention? What did you think of the convention and the speech? Great to be with you tonight on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I noticed that Joe Biden is going back on the campaign trail now. I think he's a little freaked out, to say the least, based on the fact that, obviously, the president is coming out full-strength. And he's controlling the narrative now. You know, he, he's going on about how Joe Biden is not saying anything about the protesters and worse, those rioters that are causing all the violence and chaos. And then sure enough, Joe Biden comes out and says something about the rioters and the chaos, which shows me that the president is controlling the narrative. So the Biden campaign response to that, I mean, it wasn't a real response. It was very, very wishy-washy and mealy mouth And he doesn't want to offend anybody on his side that actually thinks that the rioters have just as much of a right to be there as the protesters do. So he doesn't want to really upset anybody. But at the same time, he's realizing something, which is that this is hurting him. All of these riots that are going on in this country right now are hurting Joe Biden. And even Don Lemon said that the other night. I couldn't believe it. On CNN, Don Lemon's there with, the, with Chris Cuomo, the Lester Cuomo, and the two of them are chatting it up. And uh, Don Lemon says, you know, the Democrats have to realize this is only playing to Trump. This is only giving him more ammunition for what he needs. And so then Don Lemon says, so this has to stop after months and months of them giving their tacit and sometimes overt approval, by the way, to the to the rioters. Like, go, go ahead, do your thing. Understanding it, justifying it. Cuomo out there saying, well, you have to understand. I mean, they're very, very angry. People are very upset. And now they're realizing, "Ooh, but this is politically bad. You mean it's politically bad to set cars on fire and destroy property and shoot people and kill people? Wow. We didn't know. <laughs> go figure. So now they're trying to get everybody to calm down, not because it's the right thing to do. You know, they're not trying to get everybody to calm down because it's the right thing to do, and they're really worried that this is this is just you know wrong to destroy your, your your town, your city, your state. But it's because politically speaking, it's just a disaster for them. So now they're pleading with them: please stop the rioting, please stop burning cars, please stop destroying everything, because this goes right into Donald Trump's hands. Politico had a story from um, some writer up in Wisconsin who was writing the effect of uh, it was the interview, the former mayor of Madison, Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin is a very liberal city. I mean, it's one of the furthest left cities you could ever find in this country. And the mayor of Madison was going on about how. He thinks that there are a lot of voters out there watching all the destruction going on and thinking, you know what? Trump's the only one who can protect me from this because these Democrats have failed us. You have a Democrat governor, a Democrat mayor. And isn't this so emblematic of what's happening in cities across the country, right, where you see this violence and going on? I mean, where I'm broadcasting from tonight in Philadelphia, it's the same thing. I mean, crime is off the charts. There's shootings all the time. And they had a a story on one of the local news stations here about community leaders coming together to say, "Okay, enough is enough. Enough is enough. We have to end all the shootings and the violence. And we've got to we've got to stop killing each other. It's got to stop. And then people are moving out of cities. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal about the absolute just exodus from cities into the suburbs. If you're a real estate agent right now, you're loving life, except for the fact that it's very hard to find inventory to fulfill the demand that is out there right now. There's just not enough supply. People are – I hear it all the time. People are saying, you know what, I want out of Philadelphia. I want to move to the burbs of Bucks County or Chester County, Montgomery, Jersey even. I'll suffer through the high taxes of that tyrant Phil Murphy, but I just – I got to get out of the city. It's not safe anymore. And safety has a variety of different things for them, but it's not coronavirus, believe it or not. Early on, I thought it would be. Back in March, I guess, when the whole, all the lockdown started and I, I was coming into the city and then slowly but surely you, you stopped seeing people coming in and it was like a ghost town. I started to think to myself, all right, people who live in the city or commute in the city may not want to be on packed subway cars anymore and trains and buses and being crowded office buildings. So they're probably going to get out, you know, just like they're they're done. But that's not what triggered it. What actually triggered it was all of the violence and protests that started to happen after George Floyd's killing. So while everybody on the conservative side came out and said what happened to George Floyd was reprehensible, it didn't stop all of the rioting that occurred. And businesses in Philadelphia and other cities across the country burned to the ground. And business leaders coming out who happened to be Black and coming out and saying, you've you've just destroyed the only supermarket in my neighborhood. I remember an elderly woman sitting on a park bench and she's waiting for the bus and she's hysterical crying because in her neighborhood there was only one grocery store. They refer to that as a food desert. There's only one and it was burned to the ground in the rioting that occurred after George Floyd's killing. And she was hysterical crying saying, where am I going to go get groceries now? This poor woman. And I think that if she could get out of the city, she probably would too. So then Don Lemon, the genius at CNN, decided something else. It gave me some other revelation. Turns out that black Americans want more police in their neighborhoods. Believe it or not, they actually don't want to defund the police. The people that wanted to fund the police happen to be the woke, white, Marxist, antifa, liberal kids in Portland where they think this is fun and a game. But if you look at actually in cities where people who are real human beings live, White and black, they actually want police there because they need, they need the police to protect them. No greater example of that probably than Senator Rand Paul leaving the White House last night and getting just hammered by, by rioters outside of the White House and having to have a police escort last night because they were, he was worried they were going to kill him. Mayor of San Francisco came out and she said the same thing. She said, you know, I'm tired of all these, and I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, tired of all these woke white kids coming to our neighborhoods and telling us what we need and what we want and then destroying things while we're here, while they're here. Just enough. Just so make it stop. So now look at that from the big political picture. As Americans think about their cities of Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Detroit, other cities like that, and they think, I got to get out of here. I want to go to the burbs. But you know what? I'm afraid if I go to the burbs, they're going to get rid of the police there, too, because I hear all their wacky plans of changing from cops to social workers and that sort of thing. Well, I don't want to move here and then have it not be safe. So... I think I'll just go with Trump because I'm just afraid that the Democrats are going to do something crazy because they're run by crazy people. The reason why the president is making law and order and safety such a major theme of his campaign is that he understands that people actually want things like, go figure, law and order and safety. So Biden comes out and he says, wait a minute, man. Come on, man. This is happening in Trump's America. It's Not my America. It's Trump's America. Yeah, except that they're your people and it's in your States and your cities; these are Democrat states and Democrat cities where all of this chaos is happening. So while it's Trump's America, it's a uh, it's a blue state and a blue city run by Democrats for decades, and people are smart enough to know that. And people are also smart enough to know that those are those are most likely Biden voters, and the ones who aren't going to vote for Biden, it's only because they're angry that Bernie did not get the nomination. That's it; that's the only reason why they wouldn't. But they're certainly not Trump supporters. Trump supporters aren't going out and doing that kind of thing. Donald Trump is not going to win the black vote in this country, but he doesn't have to. He just has to perform very well and very strong with the black vote, which I think he's going to do in places like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Detroit and other places like that. And I think throughout the theme of the week of the RNC was a good balance between law and order and safety, because people do want safe streets. Go figure. Don Lemon, the sage political uh, wisdom from Don Lemon. People don't want rioting. I know. Amazing, right? Rioting helps Donald Trump. Go figure. And also balancing that with the idea of bringing out several prominent African American leaders and civil rights leaders, black elected officials like Tim Scott and others, and saying, look, look what this guy's achieved with criminal justice reform and with funding to historically black colleges, and of course, school choice and standing with life. Don't you think he's done a lot in this realm? That's why the Democrats and the media are really ramping up the whole Trump's a big racist thing. He's a big racist. I mean, sure, he just pardoned a woman who did a nonviolent drug offense and was in prison for decades under Biden's crime bill. But he's a huge racist for doing that. They just don't know what to do. They don't know how to respond. So finally, Biden comes out and says, look, please, there shouldn't be any rioting. Protesting's okay, but no rioting. And everybody goes, why did you wait until now to say something? Did the basement feed go away? Was there some sort of a problem with the acoustics in the basement that you couldn't get that message out? Was it like, were the worlds and it just wasn't coming through the walls of the house or something? And finally now the, the, the radio transmission was able to go through the walls of the Biden estate in Delaware. Is that is that what happened? And Joe Biden knows he's got a real political problem here. See, Donald Trump can come out and say, we got to end the rioting and people, black, white, in cities and suburbs go, yeah, we do. But Joe Biden comes out and says, we have to re- end the rioting. And then a lot of the woke voters of his, I think by now you know what that term woke means, right? You're a smart person. You listen to Mark Levin. So you know what that means. You listen to the great one. And you know that that means that you're, uh, you're just, you're all in on the social justice warrior thing. And you're, you're hip to all the terms and you're, you're all there with that. So all the woke kids who are mostly Bernie supporters, they don't like Joe Biden to begin with, And they think that they have every right to be out there building a guillotine in front of Jeff Bezos's house and smashing cars and property because they believe it's just their right to do so. And if somebody's not cheering them on, they get very upset and very angry. And Joe Biden knows if those people don't come out and vote for him, he's got a big problem in November. I mean, he already has a big problem in November. Let's take Pennsylvania, for example, right, where I'm broadcasting from tonight at Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, where Mark airs obviously live every night from 6 to 9 p.m. And I do the morning show. Let's take Pennsylvania. It's just a great bellwether for this. President won by less than one-tenth of one percent. State, he's got to win again. And the state, I think he will win for a couple of reasons. Number one, Joe Biden's all in on the Green New Deal. The fracking, ending fracking and the war on coal. It's all Joe Biden. And throughout Pennsylvania in the red part, the part that James Carville said was like Alabama in terms of how they vote. That part, solid Trump country. That's not changing. That has not changed and it won't change. In fact, the enthusiasm level is as high as ever. Joe Biden wanted to pretend like he's a big moderate Democrat. You know, that was his whole thing. And I, I've been saying for about a year and a half now, Joe Biden's problem is he can't get through the primary without bowing down at the altar of the Green New Deal. And once he does that, well, you can kiss Pennsylvania goodbye. Because people that work in the fracking industry and all the industries that support fracking, by the way, all those union guys that Biden claims to connect with, They don't want to lose their jobs. And Biden says, oh, we'll transition you to a new job, a fun job, laying broadband cable. People don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to vote to have their own job go away. People are not that sadistic. They don't like doing that. So Joe Biden had to kneel at the altar of the Green New Deal in order to get the support of them for the primary. And now in the general election, he has to hope that everybody forgets his support of that. You know, guys who work in fracking in Pennsylvania an industry that has made America now energy independent. Of course, the Trump campaign is not going to let him forget. Then you look into the cities, take Philadelphia, for example, where people are fleeing the cities and crime is out of control. The cops feel like they're, 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 they're shackled. I mean, I talk to the Philadelphia cops all the time. They feel like they're completely shackled, can't do their job. You know, Trump's getting all the cop votes. Then you take people in parts of the city where crime is very high and they hear Democrats say they want to defund the police, get rid of cops. And those people in those neighborhoods, they don't want to get rid of the police, white, black, whatever they they want. They need more cops. They know that. They're saying that. The political sage Don Lemon on CNN agreeing with that point and saying, guess what? It turns out they want police. Look at that. When you add all that up, that is political peril for Joe Biden. You factor in the law and order. You factor in the safety. You factor in Biden's wacko embrace of the Green New Deal and how that directly impacts the energy sector and those jobs in places like Pennsylvania and also Ohio and Michigan. And by the way, it's not just cities in Pennsylvania. I'm just using that state as an example. It can also be Detroit, right? It can also be cities in Ohio. And the same issues with the jobs matter there. Then you factor in China and manufacturing jobs going away and Biden's support of that. And it becomes, I think, an impossibility for him to be able to win in those states when all of those issues are piled on. So now he's finally decided after the Republican National Convention, it's time to emerge from the basement and campaign again. But my question is, will Joe Biden debate? 877 381 381 It's me, Rich Zioli, fellow Levinite. Great to be back with you tonight. In for the great one, Mark Levin, coming right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called In Primus. 5.4 million Americans receive In Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com.
2: I do have to laugh at the uh, controversy Over all the people on the White House lawn last night who were not wearing masks and uh, the the outrage today in the media, the pure outrage, uh, even though everybody was outside. But I'll talk more about that later in the show today on The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. 877-381-3811. So will Joe Biden debate? That is the question that I have. What do you think? You think Joe Biden will debate? Nancy Pelosi came out yesterday, the Speaker of the House, and she said some of the effect of like, well, I don't think Joe Biden should debate. It's beneath him or something. And then all these uh, people came out and said, yeah, you know what? He shouldn't debate. Uh, Trump's just going to lie anyway. And it's uh, he's not presidential and Joe Biden should not do it. Yeah, I'm calling BS on that. I think the real reason is they're just afraid that Joe Biden is going to say something really stupid, because if Trump was not presidential, wouldn't you want to debate him? Wouldn't you want 17 debates? I mean, if it's me. And, and my argument is that my opponent is, is not presidential and he's an embarrassment. and He's a big, boorish kind of guy. I want on the stage with him every night. I'll do nightly debates. Bring me on to debate him every night. Policy-wise, we'll pick a night. This night can be uh, law, and, law and order. This night can be the economy. I'll debate you on health care. I'll debate you on how the coronavirus. And every night I get to show America how you're not presidential. Right? Don't you think? If that's really the argument... Well, this is the man is not presidential, so therefore I can't dignify by going on the stage with him. But he is the president and you're running for the presidency and he is the president. So if you don't think he's presidential, debate him. Show everybody that. Ah, But you see, the reason why Pelosi said that is not because she doesn't think he's presidential. I mean, she doesn't think he's presidential, but that's not the reason why she's saying that. She's saying that because they're terrified Joe Biden's going to be going to be a disaster in that debate if he doesn't have a teleprompter, if he doesn't have those written words to stick to. I mean, his speech at the DNC was good. It's good. It's very well delivered. But he had a teleprompter and, you know, it's it's not incredibly easy sometimes to speak from a teleprompter. Sometimes people get tripped up by it, but it's also not impossible to do. Most people can read, I think. Right. So yeah, if you could read, you can pretty much do a teleprompter, you practice a little bit, but. But when you're in a debate stage, there's no teleprompter. There, there's nobody there to jump in. There's no editing. There's no commercial. Yeah, you know, there's a commercial break. But when they come back from commercial, they can keep hammering you. You know what I mean? So I think when Pelosi said that, and also some other guy said that in the New York Times, you wrote a piece about that. And one of their writers, doesn't matter who it was, but one of them said the same thing. You know, Joe Biden should not, uh, not uh, dignify Trump uh, by being on the same stage with him. It would just be a mistake to do so. And I just... Uh, he should just rise above it. No, what they mean is that Joe Biden should hide behind highly produced campaign ads, which I see all day long because I'm in Philadelphia. So we're a battleground state. So all day on the local stations, Joe Biden ads, very well produced and expensive. That's the campaign they want to run. They do not want to run a campaign where Joe Biden is on the same stage as Donald Trump. They're terrified of it. Can you blame them? with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, coming right back.
0: Now I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College. One of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in. Whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called In Primus. 5.4 million Americans receive in Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to LevinforHillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, LevinforHillsdale.com.
1: The only constitutional lawyer you can see today for free. No appointment necessary. Just call him at 877-381-3811.
2: Always an honor to be with you tonight, my fellow Levinites. And for the great one, Mark Levin, it's me, Rich Zioli, with you from Mark's home city of Philadelphia. 877-381-3811 is the number tonight. 877 877- Three eight one three eight one one. You can also uh, shoot me a tweet if you like on Twitter at Rich Zeoli. R I C H Z E O L I. In fact, uh, reading some of those tweets, Anthony says if you had a three touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, you wouldn't throw the ball. Now I'm no sports guy, but I think that's a sports analogy referring to Joe Biden having a lead over the president. All right, so let me uh, let me address that for a second here. These polls right now, which show Joe Biden having a lead. Uh, these polls are going to change by the way. I'm not going to do the whole. The polls are wrong because uh, the polls are probably wrong, but not that wrong they're They're, they're probably closer than they were in two thousand and sixteen in terms of their accuracy, but regardless they they're going to change it's It's August, and people are still at the shore and people are on vacation. But the kiddos are going back to school soon, hopefully in person, but maybe virtually, depending on where you are and uh, people are going to start paying attention they're going to start watching all these ads, and they're going to have to start making some real choices here. And I know it sounds crazy to think there are people out there who are still undecided. You're not, I'm not, but most people, I'd say most people are not, but there are still some out there who are not decided. Why, why not? What are they waiting for? Well, I think for some of them, they may have voted for Trump in 2016 because they didn't like Hillary Clinton and they're not sure if they want to give him another term. And they're just, they're not, you know, they're not MAGA. They're not flying a MAGA flag on the back of their boat, but they, they like him. They're just not a hundred percent sure. They want to think about it. Some people who voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016 and did not like Trump now might like Trump. And so you got to account for that fact. And those voters may think to themselves now, you know what, I I think I like him now. I didn't like him then, but I think I like him now. Got to account for that, too. And there might be some Democrats who, as much as they would have voted for Joe Biden maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, his embrace now of the hard left of his party and that radical left agenda on things like the Green New Deal – They're going, I can't do it. I'm out. So I guess I'll go with Trump. All of those factors adding in is a reason why you're still seeing a campaign going on. The campaign is not tomorrow. The campaign's in November, although early voting will start in a couple weeks. But I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of people out there who are looking at this and they're thinking as they always think, they think about their own self-interest in life and they think to themselves, you know what? As much as I may have my problems with uh, Trump over this or over that, I just think Biden and the party, the Democrats are nuts and I'm not risking it. I'm not taking a chance on that. But when a pollster calls them, do they tell the pollster that or do they say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm voting for Joe Biden because I just I don't want the grief of having to say I'm voting for Donald Trump. I don't know. Too early to say. What I do know, though, is that you run a campaign based on the idea that the election is Tomorrow, and you got to pound your opponent, you got to win, you got to convince people, you got to, and then then you got to get them out. This is another problem that Joe Biden has. What was very obvious to me this week in watching the Republican National Convention, and I've been to a number of conventions, is that uh, Trump's base is as loyal as ever and as excited as ever to go out and vote for him. He hasn't really lost anybody in his base. That's been obvious to me. There is no enthusiasm for Joe Biden. I mean, Democrats admit that. You know, even people that read these polls admit that. The ones that look at the polls admit two things, and that's why I'm not going to just instantly dismiss them. Now, some hosts will do that. I'm not going to do that. Some hosts will just dismiss the polls completely unless they like the polls, in which case they'll share the results with you. But I'm not going to do that. What I do is I actually read the polls. There's the top lines that tell you, you know, who's winning. And then there's actually the things that people tell the pollsters. And having worked in politics in Jersey, I know the polls and the way we do is we ask questions, you know. All right, so you're telling me you're going to vote for Joe Biden, but let me ask you this. Who do you trust more in the economy? Oh, in the economy? Well, actually, I trust Trump more in the economy. That's when you know that person is really going to vote for Trump. But they're telling the pollster what they think the pollster wants to hear. Or they're telling themselves what they think they want to hear. But then when they really break it down and they say that they trust Trump more in the economy, that's an entirely different scenario. So here's what I've learned in reading the polls. Number one, Biden's lead is based on the assumption that people are willing to say, I'm going to vote for a guy who I don't trust on the economy. Number two, it's based on an idea that I'm going to vote for a guy I'm not excited to vote for. What is clear is that people in those polls say to the pollsters, they, they respond and say, I trust Trump more in the economy. And you know what, Biden, eh, he doesn't really do it for me. But th- there's excitement against Trump. So there's, there's people that are motivated to go out and vote against him. And there's always that. But is that enough? I mean, does that really get people out to the polls? The hatred of Donald Trump, does it really get them out? I don't think so. I think people like to vote for something, not against something. But Trump's base, on the other hand, is excited to go out and vote for him. What's obvious here is that people this week were showing that enthusiasm, and that enthusiasm has not gone away. He's not trying to get the base excited. He, the base is excited. People were, were, were loving the opportunity to go and, and, and be in the White House lawn last night. They were loving the chance to do that. But Biden does not have that exact same enthusiasm, not even close. People are looking at him and going, for a lot of them, they're going, you weren't my choice, not even close, but you're the nominee, so I got to support you. But you know, I don't really like to do so, but I got to, you know, I got to do it because I hate Trump. And well, let me throw out another idea for you. Is Trump really so bad for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for Andrew Cuomo? Is he so bad? Now, now, think about that for a second. Right. 2024 is going to be here like that. Here's the here's the thing. This election will happen. It'll take seven months to count all the votes because of all the missing ballots with the mail and balloting and the disaster that's going to be. And then when that happens, then already candidates are going to start looking at 2024 because there'll be an open seat. And so Trump is term limited. Somebody's going to have to run for president in 2024. And Democrats and Republicans are going to start going to New Hampshire. I interviewed uh, former Governor Chris Christie this week on my show in Philly, and I asked him about New Hampshire, and he said he's not ruling it out. He's going to go up there. I think Nikki Haley's going to run. I think Mike Pence is going to run. I think a number of Republicans are going to run for president in 2024. I think Rubio would like another shot. I think Rand Paul would like another shot. I think uh, Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, I think she'd like to run for president. I think there's a lot of very talented up-and-coming stars in the Republican Party. That was obvious. It was on display this week. On the Democrat side, it's a much different scenario if your guy's the incumbent. You know, if Joe Biden wins, they all have to support Joe Biden in 2024 or support the president in 2024. If Joe Biden doesn't finish his term and Kamala Harris becomes president or Joe Biden decides he's not going to run again and then the party rallies around Kamala Harris because she's the sitting vice president. That means that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Andrew Cuomo, so many of these other Democrats, Gretchen Whitmar, they all have to wait until 2028. They got to back Kamala Harris or Joe Biden, theoretically speaking, if Joe Biden's able to run for reelection. But if you're a betting man, as they say, I wouldn't put your money on that. That's just me. I wouldn't I would say that that's not a safe bet. So now they have a choice. Do they buck their own party? But even back that up for a second here. Joe Biden gets inaugurated president in January. He sets forth his agenda. Where does AOC go after that? Where does Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad and, and, and all the other Democrats who are vying for power, and love to beat up Trump on a daily basis. Where do they go? Do they beat up Joe Biden? Can't do that. He's their guy. He's their, he's their party. He's the president. It's their party. Can't do that. So they got to go to the sidelines. So they're completely relegated to the sidelines. Do you think they want that? I don't. Versus how about this scenario? Donald Trump wins another term and every day AOC gets to go out on TV, turn the microphone on, and talk about what an awful guy he is and how he needs to be impeached again, how he's destroying America, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, she's running to New Hampshire to run to vote, to run to campaign because she's going to be eligible to, uh, to be president in 2024. She'll be old enough, finally. Here's the other thing, too. For a lot of these Democrats, these very, very left Democrats, yeah, Joe Biden's embracing him now, but they're worried that he's not going to endorse their policies. They're worried about that. They're worried that he talks a big game on the Green New Deal, but maybe he won't follow through. And he's not nearly as radical as Bernie Sanders is, even though they control Joe Biden. But still, he's not Bernie. You know what I mean? So wouldn't it be great to send the DNC a lesson, teach them a lesson? Don't mess with us. We control the party now. Back off. I think a lot of progressives are going to stay home in November. If You ask me, I think a lot of them are going to stay home. And I think when you start adding up those numbers... Take Pennsylvania again, for example. The union guys that vote for Trump because they're afraid of losing their jobs to the Green New Deal. The people in the cities who are afraid of the crime and defunding the police. You take the progressives who are angry, the Bernie bros. They stay home. It all adds up. 20,000 votes, 50,000 votes. It doesn't take much. Trump won Pennsylvania by less than one-tenth of one percent. We're talking about a very close election. It doesn't take much. For Joe Biden to lose, even with this advantage he has in the polls. And when you read the polls and the people say, I trust Trump more on the economy, that tells me that if it comes down to it and they walk into that polling place or they fill out their mail and ballot at the kitchen table or somebody fills it out for them for the 18th time, they don't even know about it when it comes to it. And they have to think about that. Do I really want Joe Biden with his hands on the economic levers of this country? Factor that in with the AOCs and the others who think to themselves, you know what, if, if Joe Biden wins, I got I, I'm, I'm a backseat ride here. All of these other issues go into play. The fact that the polls tell us that there's no enthusiasm for Joe Biden and that people trust Trump on the economy, that's the only thing when it comes to polls you should pay attention to. 877 381 381 is the number for you to weigh in here on The Mark Levin Show. Did you watch the president's speech last night. I thought it was a great speech. I thought it was a home run. It was a, it was an embrace of America. He outlined a, a, a strong vision for the future. I loved how he went after Biden's record. I thought one of my favorite lines last night from the speech was when the president talked about Biden's record being a shameful roll call. And he went through the various things that Biden in his 47 years in office has screwed up on. And he wasn't going after Biden for gaffes, and he wasn't going after Biden for being a senile, crazy old man. He was focusing really on the policy blunders of Joe Biden's record. And that's how I think, Joe, I think Donald Trump wins this election, by focusing on Joe Biden's record. That's how you win. Cut four.
3: We have spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. Biden's record is a shameful roll call of the most catastrophic betrayals and blunders in our lifetime. He has spent his entire career on the wrong side of history. Biden voted for the NAFTA disaster, the single worst trade deal ever enacted. He supported China's entry into the World Trade Organization, one of the greatest economic disasters of all time. After those Biden calamities, the United States lost one in four manufacturing jobs. We laid off workers in Michigan, Ohio, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and many other states. They didn't want to hear Biden's hollow words of empathy. They wanted their jobs back. As Vice President, he supported the Trans-Pacific Partnership which would have been a death sentence for the U.S. auto industry. He backed the horrendous South Korea trade deal, which took many jobs from our country and which I've reversed and made a great deal for our country. He repeatedly supported mass amnesty for illegal immigrants. He voted for the Iraq war. He opposed the mission to take out Osama bin Laden, He opposed killing Soleimani. He oversaw the rise of ISIS and cheered the rise of China as a positive development for America and the world. Some positive development.
2: I think that that is how you win right there. That record of Joe Biden's a terrible record. It's funny, right? Trump's the incumbent, and yet in many ways he's running against the incumbent being Joe Biden. Because Trump's argument is, look, if you had done a good job, I wouldn't have won. I wouldn't be here today. Trumpism wouldn't have worked if you had actually not sold out American manufacturing jobs to China and sent them overseas and allowed all that to occur. If that that had not happened, I would not be here. I would have walked down the escalator in Trump Tower, and that would have been the end of it. So in some ways, Joe Biden's the incumbent in this election, even though Trump's the incumbent. It's really an amazing election when you think about it from that perspective. Add up all these things, and I'm telling you right now, Joe Biden's got some problems. All right, 877-381-3811. When I get back, I want to take your phone calls here on The Mark Levin Show. Did you watch the president's speech? How do you think he did? Do you think he's on track to win? Are you worried about the president's reelection chances? Are you worried about Joe Biden's candidacy? If you are, let me hear it. It's Rich Zioli in for the great one. Coming right back.
1: love in.
0: Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called In Primus. 5.4 million Americans receive In Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com.
2: Truth is, the president outlined a very pro-America speech. People don't want to see rioting. They don't want to see looting. They don't want to see cars sitting on fire, people getting shot. Nobody wants that. And uh, the Democrats are afraid to embrace America. They, they are, because so many people in their ranks, they think America's bad. America's evil. America's got to apologize. Really, you heard that when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez spoke at the DNC last week. She's a whack job, and she said, you know, I'm not going to focus tonight on America's colonial past with all of our sins, and she went on the whole list of it. That's, that's the Democrats right there. All right, let's start with uh, Bill is in Norwalk, Connecticut, here on The Mark Levin Show. Hey, Bill. No, Bill. Let's try Richard in Fort Worth, Texas. Hello, Richard. Hello. Yes, sir. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, hey. Um, I was thinking if uh, Biden uh, backs out of the debate that Trump ought to go ahead and set up a faux debate where Trump's on the stage and he's got a screen with Biden up there and Trump is asking him these questions about his past record and we'll listen to how Biden uh, answered the question in the past. Just kind of an interesting way to get him on stage.
2: I love it. I think it's a great idea. That's a great idea. Just debate like a hologram of him or like a previously recorded edition of Biden. I think it's great.
4: Yeah, excellent. we will pass it on to whoever can uh, do something about it.
2: All right. We will do so, sir, sir. Thank you for that call. Appreciate it to hear on the Mark Levin show. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Look, if uh, and here's the here's the thing. Biden knows that he knows that if he doesn't debate Trump, that Trump is going to use that time to just skewer Biden. And Biden doesn't want to let that let that happen. I mean, the rule in politics is you leave no shot unanswered. So you think he wants to cede all that time The Trump to just go in and lay into him for his 47-year record of failure? He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do that at all. But they're terrified because Biden is a walking gaff machine. The guy, can't, the guy can't manage to do an entire hour of debating without saying something so stupid that's going to cost him something. Maybe he'll say that, you know, you're not really black if you're not watching the debate. Who knows? You just don't know what he's going to say. It's just completely unpredictable. The media will do their job of defending him. Oh, it's just Joe. People love that about him. But I think people are going to watch it and go, "Mm, I don't uh, this guy does not seem like he's all there. You don't win on that necessarily, but you do win on policy. And as Trump is pummeling him on policy, he forces Joe Biden to be on the defensive. And there's a lot to be defensive about, by the way, if you're Joe Biden, because it's a terrible record. Terrible record. So did you watch this speech last night? Were you happy with the president's address to the nation last night in front of the White House? I thought it was great. I thought he was it was a great speech. I thought that uh, the entire week was very positive. It showed a very positive view of America. It showed a very positive view of the Constitution, and it highlighted so much of the president's records. But now, people are going to come back from their vacation. They're going to tune in. The debates will be next. So, will Joe Biden show up to, to debate? That is the question for you tonight here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one eight seven seven. 381 3811. 877 381 Will Joe show as in the debates? Hour two, straight ahead.
4: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
1: He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
2: The RNC convention is in the history books. Now the debates will be coming up. Will Joe Biden show? That is a question. After the president's great night last night, fireworks and all. Welcome back to the show, the Mark Levin Show. The great one's off tonight. Rich Zioli from Mark's home city of Philadelphia, where I do the morning show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Great to be with you tonight. 877 381 is our number. Did you watch the speech? What did you think last night? Let me know. You know, the, uh, the lunatics outside of the White House after the, the show was over last night. So Senator Rand Paul is walking out of the White House. He gets attacked viciously attacked, by the way, worried about his life, worried about his wife and that of his wife uh, viciously. And here's the thing is that Rand Paul, as he will tell you in this clip, I'm about to play for you. Rand Paul's actually on their side when it comes to at least one of the issues that they're allegedly protesting, which is the uh, these no knock warrants, right? These no knock warrants. And they know who he is because they keep saying his name. And that's that's part of this this clip. So Senator Rand Paul has to get a police escort last night as he's leaving the White House because the rioting that's going on outside the White House is so bad and the crazies are so vicious. These are not peaceful protesters, and this is certainly nothing nothing that is protecting the Constitution of the United States of America, nothing like that. If you want to know why Trump's message of law and order is resonating, it's because people see this stuff on television and they think to themselves, my God. I don't want this happening here. And these people are friggin' lunatics. So here's what Rand Paul said this morning on Fox and Friends. He talks about it last this morning. And it's important to hear. It's a long clip. But I want you to hear it because I think that not only does he describe it very, very well, but also what he says about how the fact that they, they're not even logical based on what he says about his support for a particular bill that they also back. Cut number three.
5: You can tell that man behind the mask is Rand Paul, uh, a bunch of protesters descending on the Kentucky senator and his wife, Kelly, as they left the, Senate, uh, the president's RNC speech from the White House. Actually, it was a longer trip than that. He joins us right now for his first live interview since that confrontation. Uh, senator, good morning. That looks scary. Morning.
6: Yeah. You know, my wife and I, it was horrific. You know, we had two uh, women with us who were friends of ours. We had looked out. You know, we came out of the speech. At the White House. And we looked into the street. Our hotel was only right across the street from the White House. But we couldn't go because the mob was already chasing people down that chose to go out that exit. So the Secret Service says, get on a bus and ride to the Trump Hotel. So we got on a bus. It took 45 minutes to get through all the mobs. We get there safely. And then we say, we'll get an Uber to go all the way back where we came from. And we wanted to be dropped off at the hotel. But as we got close to it, the streets were blocked, and no one would let us through. And what happened is there was two blocks, and I regret that I made this decision, but I said we're going to walk the two blocks. We walked one block. But as we walked one block, we could see some police in the distance. But we also saw a mob of about 30 people marching and yelling. They all of a sudden saw me right as we got to the policeman, fortunately, or I don't think we'd have survived. We got to the policeman, and I, the policeman I don't think recognized me. And as they came closer, they were shouting my name, and the crowd doubled to 60. Hmm. And then it doubled again to 120. Now
2: let's stop and it right there for a quick second. Couple, couple observations. Number one, when you get outside the White House grounds, obviously, you are no longer under the protection of the Secret Service and or the park police. You're now under the protection of the city of Washington, D.C., where you have a a radical lefty mayor who tells the cops there that they have to just sit back, much like in my city of Philadelphia. And the Philly cops tell me this all the time, how frustrating it is for them. Sit back and watch and let 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 the uh, let the agitators do whatever they want to do. All right. You can't do anything about it. Just sit back and just let it happen. So here you have a United States senator walking down the streets of our nation's capital. All right. And he's not going by. And Rand Paul is a libertarian. So if there's anybody who's going to support the right of people to protest, it's him. And had there been people on both sides of the street with signs, even chanting his name and even saying, you know, you suck, Rand Paul, whatever. He would have been fine with it because that's all entirely constitutionally protected. Those are our rights. You have the right to do that. But that's not what happens here. But just think about that. It's, it's, it's the, the capital of the United States of America, D.C., city streets after the president's address. And here's a United States senator who, of anybody that could have been walking down that street, most supports their right to be there and many of their issues, by the way. Rand Paul recently wrote a, a, an op-ed where he said it's time to demilitarize the police. He supports the police. He doesn't want to defund the police, but he wants to demilitarize them. No more sending them tanks and that sort of thing. He wrote that op-ed. He authored, as you're going to hear in a minute, he authored the bill named after Breonna Taylor, which would end no-knock warrants, which is when the, the, the government just you know, smashes through your doors and windows and, and, and guns blazing. And it's a, it's a very dangerous situation for the cops and also for the suspects, obviously. So he's the author of that bill. So here you have a guy walking down the streets of our nation's capital who most supports the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, supports the right of protesters. Wants to demilitarize the police, wants to end no knock warrants. And thank God there's a cop there to protect him. Otherwise, he thinks they would not have survived this. Now, Joe Biden would like to tell you that this is Trump's America, but I'm going to tell you that these are Biden's supporters. And if not, they're reluctant Biden voters. If they're not Biden supporters, they're reluctant Biden voters. Because they're probably Bernie supporters. At the end of the day, they'll vote for Joe Biden if they have to, but they were probably Bernie bros. But these are not Trump supporters. This is not MAGA out there in the streets doing this, right? All right, continue, please, Mr. As they were
6: surrounding us and it got closer and closer and everybody kept pushing back. The policemen were forming a a barricade with their bodies. I whispered to the policemen, they know who I am. You've got to get reinforcements. It's going to get worse. He called for reinforcements, but we didn't get any reinforcements. We waited, but the crowd was getting bigger and bigger and pushing in. Uh, they were yelling threats, they were trying to push the police over to get to me, they were grabbing at us, and it got worse and worse and worse, and then finally we decided to make a move. I said, we've, we've got to move, if there's not going to be reinforcements, we have to try to get to the hotel, which was another block. And they were shouting threats, you know, to us, to, to kill us, to hurt us, but they're also threat, saying, shout shouting, say her name, Breonna Taylor. And it's like, you couldn't reason with this mob, but I'm actually the author of the Breonna Taylor law to end no knock raids. So the irony is lost on these idiots that they're trying to kill the person who's actually trying to get rid of no knock raids. And they were shouting and screaming and just, it it really, these people were unhinged, but I can't tell you how, I'm not sure we would have made it. So as we're walking, sort of surrounded by the police. They're attempting to push the police over to get to me. So at one point, they push a policeman backwards, he stumbles, and he's trying to catch his balance, and I catch the back of his flak jacket to stabilize him, and you know make sure that he's okay, because he's our defense. I mean, if, yeah. if he's down, the mob's loose on us, and you've seen the pictures of what they do to you. If the police are not there, if you defund the police, if we become Portland, if America becomes Portland, what's going to happen yeah. is people are going to be pummeled and kicked in the head and and left senseless on the curb that would have happened to us i promise you had we not had the dc police to support us i mean we are thankful that we have police right. and we've got to wake up we can't have the whole country we can't have joe biden rule the country and have no police i mean it we can't yeah. walk down the street in dc safely now I, that's how bad it is i
2: think about that it's the united states senator right there saying all that I'm telling you that uh, this is done for a reason, too. If you think about Antifa, the, this group that calls themselves anti fascist even though every tactic they employ is a fascistic tactic, this is how fascists operate. If you don't agree with them, they try to beat you and silence you and everything. That's literally what fascists do. But they're doing this for a reason. They want America to see chaos. They want America to see cities on fire and destruction. This is what they want. They want America to see this. They're dumb. Because they think it's going to hurt Trump. They think that people are going to go to the polls and go, you know what? I've had it with America being so divided. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. But that's not how it's going to work. That's not how it's playing. That's why Don Lemon on CNN, the political genius, Don Lemon, told the lesser Cuomo that, you know, we need to stop this because it's hurting Joe Biden. It's helping Donald Trump. There's a reason he said that. All right, 877-381-3811 on The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one tonight. Let's start with John in Eugene, Oregon. John, good evening.
7: Yeah, hi, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. You got it, sir. Uh, So what I was telling your call screener was, um, you know, I I think that the Democrats are never going to allow Joe Biden to go on a stage or uh, share any public forum. Uh, where he's going to meet any kind of resistance, especially a formidable resistance like Donald Trump. Uh, it would be more of an expose of not only Joe Biden's failed policies, but also his cognitive decline, which is so obvious to everybody who uh, you know, has both sides of their brain working. And I just don't think that they're going to take that chance. They have too much writing on this election uh, to gamble that.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that if there's any way they can they not have Joe Biden show up for those debates, they they will take it. Because they can just have a campaign run entirely on television commercials and radio commercials, and, and that's it, and that's all they want. And keep him in the safety of the basement, and then do these news interviews with friendly journalists who will edit the news interviews. I mean, have you noticed that, John? He'll talk to Savannah Guthrie, and you'll find out that it was edited. You watch it, you realize it's edited.
7: Yeah, absolutely. They need to it's all about media optics, and they have to control the public's perception of him if they expect any chance at winning. And that's what this that's what this is all about, and Nancy Pelosi can say anything she wants to try and justify not having a debate, but I think everybody sees right through it and uh yeah, I think even some of their supporters are taking a look at that, and i I think it's like i said i think it's I think it exposes a lot of not only their their tactics but their uh, their motivations as well.
2: by the way, Eugene Oregon, now where are you in relation to portland
7: uh, about an hour and a half south an hour and forty five minutes roughly.
2: I'm dying to visit so, Oregon. We, it's been on our, our list for years. I want to go to the wine country in your great state, but I'm just—I'm I'm kind of afraid to go. To be honest, with you. I just don't want to deal with the nonsense.
7: Oh, well, it's—it's a big state, and uh, Trump has a lot of support up here. And largely, the people are—you know—kind and welcoming. And you know, it's—it's it's a good place to live. Uh, I actually just moved up here, uh, me and my wife and my son, a couple of years ago from California. We lived in Santa Rosa, and uh, it's—it was a, a welcome change for sure.
2: That's good to hear, actually. Really good to hear. John, thank you for the call tonight, my friend. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. 877 381 3811. Yeah, it's that great Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. That's what they're known for up there, is their Pinot Noir. It's great stuff, by the way. I think it's better than California Pinots if you are a wine person. And you get it's pretty, you know, remarkably uh, affordable, too. So I say go, go American whenever you can, you know, made in America. These wines are made in America. So, you know, right there. So, there you go. Uh, 877-381-3811 here on The Mark Levin Show. Let us go to Johnny in Burbank, California. Hi, Johnny.
8: Rich, how are you? I'm
2: doing well. How are you tonight?
8: I'm a, I'm a transplanted fellow Pennsylvanian myself. I was forced out here by probably Joe Biden because of the economic policies that he was peddling back in the day in Congress that uh, pretty much shut down all the industry in Pennsylvania. But that's another story for another time. But you hear it. You heard it here first no show joe that should be uh trump trump's antagonizing line going forward until the end of september no show joe and that that'll just set his hair on fire but anyway um yeah joe's brain is deteriorating rapidly and the reason he was selected is because the only half of his brain that works is the far right or far left i mean he's the far left side of his brain is the only side that's still working but um you know the this this thing with um negotiating with the mob on the street. Um, have you ever read the book Mob Rules? Uh, I have not. Do you think that uh, Rand Paul read that book? Possibly? I,
2: I, I don't know, but, but tell us about it. Go well, ahead.
8: There, is, there, is no, there is no such book because they have no rules. So there's no. whole nonsense of it's a controllable entity. Like, well, we'll just let the mob fire up a little bit. We'll get them riled up. We'll get them burning a few things. We'll get them, Americans will be terrified, and then we'll shut it down. Well, guess what? You can't shut it down because they're two-legged honey badgers. They don't care about you anymore. Once they, once they taste blood, it's game on. They don't give a damn. They won't yeah. shut down. You can't stop them. So this, this let's play with this thing a little bit. You know, and Joe, mostly mostly supporting the mostly peaceful rioters, if, you, if, if I was a waiter at a restaurant and you said, uh, John, can you bring me a glass of water? And I brought it to you and I said, oh, Rich, uh, just to let you know, it's mostly water, but I put three small drops of rat poison in it. Okay, so good luck to you. Okay, so that's what we're talking about—the mostly supporting the mostly peaceful riders. That's insanity. Okay, that's more Looney Tune left stuff. There is no such thing. Neither thing exists.
2: Johnny, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. I I do disagree with you, though, and have a great night. I do disagree with you on the point that there's no rules for the mob. There there are rules. They. They have very well-organized rules that they follow to cause as much chaos as they possibly can. And make no mistake, my friend, these people are political and they have an agenda and they're highly organized. These are not spontaneous people. This is very, very deliberate. 877-381-3811 here on The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. We're coming right back. Mark Levin.
0: been reported that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over $21 billion. But searching for a better deal can take hours and typically results in a barrage of unwanted spam calls. Until now, thanks to the TheZebra.com. free you can save up to six hundred and seventy dollars a year using the zebra.com whatever your economic situation the zebra is committed to helping you save how much can you save on car and home insurance go today and start saving at the zebra.com slash levin that's the slash levin spelled t-h-e-z-e-b-r-a.com slash l-e-v-i-n
2: on the Mark Levin Show. Let's go to John in Washington, D.C. Hey, John, it's me, Rich, in for the great one. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. So you're an Uber driver, huh?
4: I am an Uber driver. And uh, I was out last night. And they've got, they had squads everywhere. Definitely Antifa guys. Because I've seen pictures of them. To see them live is quite interesting. Nazi stormtroopers, to say the least. And I so, uh, picked up two two ladies that had left the White House, and they were circled by these kids on bikes who were cursing at them and spitting at them because they were they were you know saw the president's speech two older women in their you know late seventies you know very dangerous types right and, right uh, yeah they were cursed at circled by bikes. And then I think what they're doing, because they have noticed lots of bikes around town, they're actually signaling people to get the crowd to come after them. And so they were literally chased, and it was two hotel workers from a hotel they weren't even trying to get to, who came out and walked, escorted them to the, to the they, they ended up getting over to the Trump Hotel.
2: Good. And good. So you saved were, them. That's important. Yeah. You're I, a I, hero, John. Good.
4: I, I was there for them and then i got them cuz the whole city's blocked off and you know luckily i was born and raised here so i know my way around the town and could get them to to their two different final destinations but they threw bottles at them they were throwing rocks at these people and, and these are two ladies in their late 70s and they look like two sweet grandmas yeah you know, very yeah, well dressed grandmas. I'll
2: say that. But the, these people are crazy. I'm glad you're okay, John. Thank God you were there to help them out. I'm, I'm just, I'm glad you're okay. But really, does it show you just how insane these people are? John, have a great night, my friend. Thanks for the call. Drive safe. Hopefully, they gave you a good tip after that. I should have asked you that. Hopefully, they did. It's the least they could have done, right? All right. This is the Mark Levin Show. Your thoughts. Will Joe Biden debate? Coming right back.
0: So I've been watching these riots around the country. I'm absolutely sickened. I'm sure most of you are. You know, John Locke once said, law is not to abolish or restrain, but to preserve and enlarge freedom. Where there's no law, there's no freedom. You want to let rioters burn down your cities? There goes your freedom. You want to get rid of cops? There goes your freedom. You want to elect Joe Biden? There goes your freedom. As you've heard me say many times, I have a liberty agenda. And at Levin TV, which airs on Blaze TV... You can watch this come to life with our conservative pro-American content that reveres our Constitution and champions our individual freedoms. This is what we do each and every day. And there's never been a better time to check us out. Just go to LevinTV.com, L-E-V-I-N-TV.com, and sign up today for a free 30-day trial. That's right, we're going to give you a full month of TV and all the other great shows on Blaze TV at no cost to you. But only if you subscribe right now at LevinTV.com.
4: Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show.
2: Call in now at 877-381-3811. I'll tell you, it's amazing when you think about these riots that are going on across the country and then the political ramifications of those. Even MSNBC, ABC, CNN, Don Lemon, all these other outlets, they're really worried. You know, this is playing right into Trump's hands. But you know why? Because it is. It really is. Welcome back to The Mark Levin Show. The Great One's off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Mark, 877-381-3811. Great to have you as part of the show tonight. Here is ABC. ABC News worrying about the danger that these Wisconsin protests could actually help donald trump imagine that cut one i saw a video
0: today that struck me it was it was a white business owner of a pizzeria in wisconsin that that had been uh, destroyed uh it it looked like all the glass had been broken and he was pleading with
4: the protesters the demonstrators screaming at them do you want to re-elect trump essentially saying Mm -hmm. you know
5: you're going to essentially fire up the other side Do do you think that's the case could that happen is there a danger here uh, I saw that video, and I, and I think there is a danger. It, it's natural. And, and I think Joe Biden, in his statement, uh, tried to walk that line, uh, supporting uh, an aggressive investigation of what does look like uh, a, a use of excessive force, at the very least in the shooting of this man, while his children were in the backseat. How much of a threat was he with his kids in the back seat? I, I think that Biden talked about that, and he said the destruction of property, the violence— uh, that doesn't help at all either.
2: You know what? (laughs) It doesn't help either. It actually helps Trump, the destruction of violence and property. So Politico writes this and they have these Democrats up from Wisconsin. They all go, oh my gosh, imagine that. Here we are in a swing state of Wisconsin and the former mayor of Madison, total liberal guy, a very liberal city saying that, yeah, you know what? Even Democrats are looking around going, this is insane. What you see on the streets, what happened to Senator Rand Paul, what happened to that Uber driver who just called in the show a little while ago, that is emblematic of today's Democrat Party. And it's just like 1968 all over again. It really is. It's just like that. So the president outlines a message that is to keep America safe, law and order, to end the chaos and the carnage. And he brings up the fact that if Joe Biden wins, guess what? That's what you're going to get. You will get it. You know why? Here's why. If you're under the idea that this all ends if Joe Biden wins the presidency, that they're all going to lay down their nonsense and that's the end of it, you don't really understand how these people think. Because the truth is that whether it's Antifa or any of these other leftist groups out there, they are looking to create a socialist revolution. They don't hide it. They talk about it all the time. The anti-fascists in Europe, which they're based on, they were communists. They want to bring about communism. They want to bring about their communist, socialist, Marxist revolution. They're not hiding from this. I mean, they talk about it openly all the time. And how do you get that if you don't have chaos? You've got to have chaos. So even if Joe Biden's president, they're still going to have chaos probably more because they're going to tolerate it even more. You know, the one thing that is consistent is that, A, this happens in Democrat cities, and B, this happens in Democrat states. That's what's consistent here. And so when you look at that and you think Democrat governors and Democrat mayors, and yet they have these protests and these riots, why? Why, why do they have rioting and looting and, and all this destruction of property? Why do they have it in those places if they're Democrats in charge? So the idea that a Democrat in the White House is going to make all of them go, oh, we're good now, we're, we're done. That is a crazy fantasy theory. They're not actually causing this destruction of property and creating these rioting and, and all this. They're not doing those things because they're they're, they just want to affect change in November. That's a part of it. They want to affect change up and down. And don't think for a second that deep down inside in her heart of hearts, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez doesn't support what they're doing because she does. Same thing with Bernie. I mean, they, they, they envy these dictators around the world. They envy these, the, the people that have managed to have revolutions. They love that stuff. So I laugh. I was I was looking on Twitter, you know, and some people were coming out and saying that uh, Trump was the uh, the the Orange Castro. They kept calling him the Orange Castro because it looked like a dictator last night with the White House. First of all, let me address that for a second. Apparently, FDR did his 1940 DNC acceptance speech from the White House. He did a radio address to the delegates at the convention. What happened last night is not something that should become the norm. But we're in the middle of this pandemic, and so things are, 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 are changing to adjust to that. But in the future, they're going to go back to the big, big uh, convention halls. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because I think it was uh, maybe John Robertson Fox News said, well, the genie's out of the bottle. Maybe this will always be the way it is because you've got the you have the, the beautiful Washington majesty behind you. You've got the power of the incumbency, the White House and all the monuments on display. Maybe, maybe they should always do it this way. Well, here's the problem with that. Last night, there were about 2,000 people who went and about uh, 52 million that wanted to be there. The reason why you have these big conventions, and I've been to them before, is because there are so many people that want to be part of this. And the biggest thing you want to be part of is the night that the nominee accepts the nomination. You can't fit all those people on the White House lawn. You could do it on the Washington Mall, but it's not the same. People want to be in it. They want to be at the convention. There's nothing more exciting than when you've got your delegate placard on and you walk into, I mean, I remember with President Bush in 2004, Madison Square Garden. It was it was like a scene from a zombie movie to get inside because they had it all cordoned off for it was after obviously the post 9-11 world. When you finally got in, the energy of that and then being inside that night when the president accepted the nomination for reelection it was an incredible night. Absolutely incredible night. The energy of that. And, 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 and if you are a Republican activist or a Democrat activist, you give money, you help out all year long. This is kind of the reward every four years. That's the big reward. You get to go to the convention. You get to be a delegate or an honorary delegate. And that's why they'll eventually go back to that. And I think that the outrage over that is just a little bit phony to me. You know, we're dealing with a pandemic. They're, they're going to investigate Mike Pompeo now. The Democrats have announced today they're 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 going to investigate the secretary of state for having the audacity to give a speech from overseas at a diplomatic post. I mean, everybody's trying to make it work, given the pandemic. Right. Everybody's trying to do their part to figure out a way to keep life as normal as possible. And there's nothing safer than being outside. You, you can't even equate the two. It's so much safer to be outside on the lawn of the White House than inside a gigantic convention hall. That's obvious. I think everybody realizes that. But when this pandemic is gone, when this is over, they want to get back to the big convention halls, stadiums, as big as possible. If Donald Trump had his way last night, he would have rather have been in front of 50,000 people than at the White House. Because he can use the White House anytime. See, that's what people forget. The president has the White House at any moment, he wants to do that. If he wants to do a gigantic 4th of July presidential address with the, with the White House, South, and they've done that, by the way. They've done that many times. If he wants to just have a I love America night, let's just have a September back to school I love America night. And we're going to have this big thing. And they can do that. In fact, they can do that and have the taxpayers pay for it a whole lot easier because it's not during a convention. They don't need a convention to have an event like that. But what they do need at a convention is an ability for the president to speak and connect to the voters. So I'm laughing at all these people going, well, well, this is if Obama was doing this, you'd all lose your minds. If Obama was doing this and it wasn't in the middle of a pandemic, I, yeah, I would. You're, you're right. I probably would. But I think the reason why FDR did it from the White House in 1940 in the middle of World War II is the same reason why last night you have to do it from the White House. They, they tried other venues. It didn't work. They tried to make it work in other places. It didn't work you have a whole lot better chance in my opinion of keeping everybody safe and secure from the virus at the white house and at least you can contact trace you know everybody there it's outside many people were wearing masks people were social distancing some people weren't everybody's got to evaluate their own level of risk in life but in the future you want to be up on that stage with 50,000 people and the party does not work unless you can find a way to reward the people who are the county chairs, the state party chairs, the delegates, the money people, the activists, the people that lick the stamps and the envelopes, who have a dream of going to the convention one day, and the pageantry of it with the hats and the and and, and the various the states all together—that that stuff's never going away. It's not, and, and nor should it. By the way, nor should it, because it's a lot of fun to be part of that when you're part of the state delegation. You know, and whoever's in charge reads the. You know, we give our fifty-five delegates to the. It's really cool to be there. And the networking, don't forget that. The networking that happens, make a lot of friends, make new connections, see old friends. There's parties every night, parties and and receptions. And it's a great time. Those will come back for sure, because you're never going to be able to do that at the White House. And so some people say, well, well, maybe we'll just have the president's address at the White House in the future going forward. No, because again, everybody want that's the night. If there's any ticket to get, it's that ticket. You want that night. You want to be there for that. The other nights are fine. I mean, if you get the other nights to be inside the arena for that, it's great. But the one that everybody wants when you when you go to your state party captain, whoever that the state party chairman assigns to be in charge of the convention, uh, and you say to him, look, I'm going to please have the tickets for uh, for for Thursday night when the president speaks. Well, get in line, buddy. There's a whole line of people that want those tickets. It'll come back. It'll be a good thing. I I just think that everybody's trying to adjust to this. But the Democrats have to always find a reason to investigate. Do You notice that? Whether it's, uh, I mean, every day it's something new. But now if they want to go after the Secretary of State, having the audacity to give a political speech from overseas. Oh, it breaks protocol. Well, of course it breaks protocol because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And it's a whole lot safer than him coming back and then having to quarantine or whatever. And then, you know, I mean, it's just let business go on and adjust to it accordingly. I think thinking people with a brain can see that. Eight eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one here on the Mark Levin Show. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Let's go to Jennifer in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, Jennifer. It's me, Rich, in for Mark. Hello.
9: Hi there. I just want to follow up on that other caller who commented on no-show Joe. When might like the RNC or somebody just have a simple TV commercial that says, "Hey, early voting is starting soon, and the, the, the voter needs to see how candidate Joe is going to perform with." Well, dignitaries, why isn't he getting out of his bunker for a debate? And then have it end with no-show Joe.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's a great point, too. It's, it's just asking people why he's not showing up, right? It's very important yeah. to do that. Um, at the end of the day, you're going to beat him on policy, Jennifer. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But what you could do, of course, is pressure him to have to show up for the debates. And that's the key of what you're talking about, pressuring him that you can't hide, yep. you got to show up, you have to be there, which then puts pressure on other Democrats to say, uh, hey, you know, these commercials are playing everywhere. you you got to show up. You look yep. like a coward. Yep, precisely. That's- yeah, well said. Jennifer, thank you for the call tonight to The Mark Levin Show. Appreciate it very, very much. Yeah, that's it, right? It's, it's that sense of pressure, putting it on Joe Biden. I'll talk more at 8 o'clock in the third hour of The, of the Mark Levin Show. I'll, I'll tell you what the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, said regarding the debates. But I think... That Joe Biden is scared. I really do. I think he's scared. Donald Trump's a very effective debater. He's had great debate coaches. And he's very effective at what he does. Even without the debate coaches. He's just very effective. But he knows that with a guy like Joe Biden. The more that you needle him. The more defensive Joe Biden's going to get. And the more defensive Joe Biden gets. The more likely it is he's going to lose his cool. And you've seen what happens when Joe Biden loses his cool. He called a guy fat Right. He said to a guy, now I see why your wife left you, told somebody else, why don't we go outside, told somebody else, well, go vote for somebody else. He loses his cool. And he says things that are not even close to being presidential. Trump is smart enough to know that what he's going to do is he's going to push Joe Biden's buttons. And because Joe Biden does not have the the ability, he doesn't have the self-discipline to just let it roll off his back, he's going to respond. And when he responds, he's going to be he's going to it's going to be out of emotion. And that's when you say dumb things. Well, if you're Joe Biden, you always say dumb things. But that's especially when you say dumb things. 877 381 Will there be debates? The president did a great job last night. We'll talk more about his speech here on The Mark Levin Show. Don't go away.
1: Mark Levin.
0: Do you know what we do at Levin TV on the Blaze TV network? Well, we give you intelligent content you won't see anywhere else.
2: buddy of mine sent me a piece from The Atlantic, which is a left-leaning um, publication. And in it, the piece is entitled, This is How Joe Biden Loses. And it's entirely about what's going on right now with the rioting that's happening in Wisconsin. And it's all about the fact that Joe Biden has not actually addressed it and really can't address it. And his uh, his, his comments on it this week were lost. They were completely lost in it. And he, and he blended the two issues, which is the shooting of... Jacob Blake. And then he also added in the unnecessary protesting and the unnecessary violence. So they're, they're two separate things, right? They're entirely two separate things. You can protest that shooting. That's not the same as the rioting, looting and destruction of a community. They're entirely separate. What Joe Biden needs to do, the author's point is, and he wants him to win, is he needs to do an address just focused on stopping the rioting. Just enough already. forget the reasons that justify protest, because they don't justify writing. And see, and this is the problem that he has is that in his mind, in the, in, in the operatives minds of the Democrats deep down inside, they think a lot of this behavior is justified. They'll look at George Floyd. They'll look at Jacob Blake, and they'll think that deep down inside these protesters are actually, or excuse me, the writers writers are actually justified in what they're doing. They can't separate that. It's what they believe. It's how they feel it's inside them. So the reason why they don't have a national address to say enough with this rioting is because inevitably they start it with trying to understand why the people are doing it, but it's false. They're not actually doing that because they, they 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 are sad for what happened to Jacob Blake or sad for what happened to George Floyd. They're doing it because it's an opportunity to cause destruction. That's the difference. I'm not talking about protesters here. I'm not talking about people that are protesting what happened. I'm talking about people that are rioting. And use this as an excuse to riot. And if Joe Biden goes out there and says with his mealy mouth way like he did the other night. Well I understand how you're feeling but you can't do this. It's justifying why the rioting is occurring. And there's no justification for it. Period. So what he needs to do is just entirely come out and just do the, The author's point is just do a separate address coming out and saying these riots are wrong. They must stop. Period. Because otherwise Donald Trump's going to win. Because otherwise people are looking at this and they're seeing this as chaos and they think that Joe Biden tacitly supports it, Democrats tacitly support it, and and Trump's going to win re-election. The reason why I'm telling you Joe Biden can't do that is because he would anger so many people on the left to actually think the protesters and the rioters are the same. There are so many people on the left who think they're one and the same. And that the people that are committing the rioting and the looting, they are as justified as somebody doing a peaceful protest. And so if Joe Biden comes out and condemns the rioting, he's also condemning the protesting. And uh, that's going to make them very, very angry. This is the political pickle he's in right now. And he knows that if a lot of those people get angry at him and stay home, he's got a real problem in November. He needs them to turn out. It's the same reason why he's given the left everything that it wants on his support for things like the Green New Deal. Etc. Etc. because he needs their votes. These are going to be close elections in certain places and he needs their votes. But at the same time, normal thinking, sensible people who aren't radical lunatics are looking at the writing and going, this is uh, absolutely unacceptable. Hell, even Jacob Blake's own mother said that. But Joe Biden's so afraid he's going to anger the radicals in his own party that he's trying to justify in some way why they're doing it. He'd be very smart to realize that they're not doing it because of Jacob Blake. They're taking the opportunity of Jacob Blake to just do more rioting. That's what Biden does not get here. Hour number three of the Mark Levin show, straight ahead. Will Joe show? Will he debate? We're coming right back.
1: Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark
2: Levin. Will Joe Biden show for the debates or will he cower? Will they try to come up with an excuse so they don't have debates? That is the question. As we enter the third hour of the Mark Levin Show tonight, the great one is off. Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Great to be with you tonight, where I do the morning show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. So I think that if you're Joe Biden, you want to try to figure out a way to only debate Donald Trump one time. That's it, just once. You want to be able to, uh, to drink as much coffee as possible or whatever else you can take. I don't know, ginseng, whatever, whatever else can help you concentrate. You know, it's funny, the president said he wants a drug test, but there are all these herbal remedies out there that can help you concentrate more, improve your memory. I see the commercials all the time. I hear them all the time on the radio. I don't know, fish bladder or something, I don't know, blubber, I don't know, whatever. Either way, it can help you concentrate, it can help you uh, think more clearly, but only for short periods of time. So, I think Joe Biden wants one debate, get on the stage, just hold his own, and then go back to the safety of highly produced, very expensive television commercials. But he can't do three, there's no way. There's no way he can handle three debates with Donald Trump. And he knows that. So what he's trying to do right now is to have people say he shouldn't debate so that if he comes out and only does one debate, he can say, well, look, I did debate the guy. But what do we need three for? Three is just a waste of time and money. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Don't we have other things to do? This is what Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, said very, very late at night. She said uh, there should not be any debates.
10: Cut five. Since you asked about that, I myself, just don't tell anybody I told you this, especially don't tell <laughs> Joe Biden. So funny. I don't think that there should be any debates. I do not think that the President of the United States has comported himself in a way that anybody should, and has any association with truth, evidence, data, and facts. I wouldn't, I wouldn't what? legitimize a conversation with him nor a debate in terms of the presidency of the United States. Now, I know that the Biden campaign thinks in a different way about this, but I just, I thought what he did in the uh, 2016 was disgraceful, stalking Hillary Clinton like that. I was disappointed that the press didn't say, go back to your station. You're not here, you're not on this stage. You, are, you have your own podium. She has hers. So I I think that he'll probably act in a way that is beneath the dignity of the presidency. He does that every day. Uh, But I think he will also belittle what the debates are supposed to be about. And they're not to be about uh, skullduggery on the part of somebody who has no um, respect for the office he holds, uh, much less the democratic process Why else would he try to undermine the elections in the manner in which he is doing? So if Joe Biden asked you what I thought about it, I don't think that he should dignify that conversation with Donald Trump. You could have you ask them any questions, both of them. Just take their own stage for any number of uh, conversations about any subjects. Hold them accountable what are they proposing? What is their vision? What is their knowledge? How are we going to get it done? How do they connect with the American people? Let that be a conversation with the American people, not a, a, an exercise in skullduggery.
2: Thank you all very much. Well, we don't want any skullduggery, that's for sure. We can't have more skullduggery. Let me ask you an honest question. Do you buy any of that, by the way? Any of that BS rambling from her It's very hardly, hardly coherent. But do you buy any of that? See, I don't. If you're really dealing with somebody who's beneath the dignity of the office and can't comport himself to be presidential and all this, wouldn't you want to showcase that? Wouldn't you want that on stage and contrast that by showing what a dignified statesman Joe Biden really is, if you think he is? Yeah, see, I'm calling BS on what Pelosi said here, because if you really think that Donald Trump is going to get on that stage and embarrass himself and embarrass our country and show that he's not presidential, act like a big buffoon, you would want to be on that stage next to him and turn to the American people and go, you see what I mean? Look at me, I'm presidential, not this guy. This guy's a joke. In fact, if it were me and I had that mindset, I would want to debate him every single night on a new issue. So that every night I can say to the American people, would you look at this buffoon? This is the president. I'm going to act like John F. Kennedy for the next three hours, so join me. But you see, Joe Biden does not have it in him, right? Now, Pelosi's using an excuse. They, they, they know who Trump is, because then she goes on to say, well, he should just uh, speak without, you know, you should challenge him just one on one person at a time. You notice that? But wait a minute, if you don't think Donald Trump is presidential, why would you even want the press to ask him questions? What she's saying here is, I'm terrified about Joe Biden being on the stage with Donald Trump. That's it, and now we got going to f- try to find an excuse to figure out a reason why we could not have these debates. And the only thing I can come up with is, ah, he left his station, so therefore, uh, since he didn't go back to his station, uh, we shouldn't have debates. <laughs> his station, what the hell is she even talking about here? No, she's, uh, she knows that Joe Biden's going to blow it. Trump's going to beat him up on policy. And Joe Biden's going to wind up getting angry. I remember it was one debate, I guess it was back in February or something like this. And one of the Democrats started to talk about, it. I think it was drug courts. And Biden, like a crazy man, starts yelling, I did that. Me, I did that. Interrupting everybody. And that, all the other candidates on the stage were like, would you keep the crazy old retired guy quiet? I said, it's like the analogy is like, the guy who shows up at the office, he's not there anymore. He's he, he's he got a package. He left, but he keeps showing up and he takes credit for everything. You like that copier? I got that copier. I did that. That was me. I got that copier. All you young sales kids can thank me for having the color coding. That was me. That's like Biden. I did that yelling, interrupting people. So they're going to watch all those debates with him, with the Democrats. And they're going to look at those moments and go, And how do we trigger him? How does the president trigger Joe Biden to say stuff that is really, really stupid and to get angry and to show Pelosi knows that she knows that if everything about Trump was true that he gets on the stage and he acts like a, like a, like a giant, you know, fraternity guy or just chugging beers and acting nuts and beneath the dignity of the office, you would love the opportunity if you were good to be up against that, be able to turn to America and go, look at this guy's. Guy's not worthy of the office. Come on. Look at me. I'm a very polished. But that's not Joe Biden. He's not uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. or or John F. Kennedy as much as he wants to pretend like he's the same party as him. He's not in the same party and he certainly doesn't have that kind of uh, television persona about him. So, you know, the best they can do is try to call him off in some way, shape or form. The Biden campaign responded to that. He says he will debate President Trump. Cut six. What do you think
10: about that? Would you consider not debating the president, no,
9: I, I'm
5: gonna as long as the commission continues down the street now as they have, I'm gonna debate him now. I know stop it right
2: there. So he's already given himself an out. As long as the commission, which is the commission on presidential debates, it's a pi- bipartisan commission in conjunction with uh C SPAN, I think, and they figure out who the moderators are going to be, and obviously they always go with the likes of George Stephanopoulos, which is amazing to me since the guy was. Bill Clinton's communications director, but now he's he's reinvented himself as some sort of an unbiased journalist. So he's always going to be a debate moderator. Him and Chuck Todd, like for the end of time, these guys are partisans, but they're always going to be debate moderators. I'll never be. Mark Levin will never be because we're looked at as who we are, which is partisan, but we're on the wrong side of being partisan. So we'll never be up there. But but the Commission on Presidential Debates, they set the schedule, they set the terms of it. That's where you negotiate things like podium size and. Breaks and who asked the questions and that sort of thing. So Joe Biden's already given himself an out. If you notice that, as long as the commission keeps going down the road that they're on, the the, the straight and narrow, he's already given the out. All right, keep going, please.
5: they're you know, gonna. I'm going to try. I'm going to be a fact checker on the floor. While I'm debating him, as fact. But look, the one thing that's gone on so far is the vast majority, with notable exceptions, of the news media have been fact checking the things they've been saying during the convention. And it's just one lie after another lying, 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 one after another. And, but the debates are going to take place. I've been recommended to me by a number of very uh, competent people know their way around, including leading Republicans. That I shouldn't debate Trump unless there's a fact checker uh, on the ground, I mean, in there in the debate, saying that's true, that's not true. But look, uh, I think everybody knows this man is uh, has a somewhat pathological tendency not to tell the truth.
2: Well, then get on the stage and point out all those lies, right? Get on the stage, and you'll need more than three. If there's so many lies out there, you're going to need at least like 10, I would think. Get on the stage and point at all the lies. Every time he lies, you could bring out one of those buttons from Staples, the easy buttons, and just hit it. You know, well, lie, that's a lie. Boom, that's a lie. In other words, if everything he's saying here is, is honest, if everything that Pelosi's saying is honest, you want more debates. Not, you don't want any, you want, you want as many debates as possible. To highlight and showcase what a pathological liar he is. How unfit and unpresidential he is. You want to debate a minute. But those are the excuses that they're using. Well, we can't debate him. He lies. So we can't do it. And, uh, you know, that's the end of that. We did one. I think what will happen is they'll do one debate. They'll give Biden a bunch of a bunch of ginseng or um, I don't know, whatever. They they have all kinds of herbal things, as I mentioned. So they'll find some combination of that, maybe some Red Bulls or something. They'll give him that. He'll survive a debate. Then they'll come out and say, but you know what? He lied the whole time. Trump lied the whole time. So we're not going to do debate number two. That's out. Debate number three, we're done. We had one debate. That's enough. I checked the debate box and we're done. I'm telling you right now, that's what they're thinking. They're setting the stage for that. They've got to do at least one. And they have to be able to hope that Joe Biden can survive just one. And I think what they're working with the commission on is to make sure that the first one is the easiest one. You know, the first one's the George Stephanopoulos night. You want the George Stephanopoulos night. That'll be the best night for Joe Biden. To have the most friendly pro-Democrat guy on TV, George Stephanopoulos, to be one of the moderators. You want that night. And then he can just say, well, that's it. After that, I'm done. Because if, they can, if he can survive that night, if he can just get through the entire night, well, that'll be a miracle. And they know that. And that's why they're trying to make all these, these excuses right now. 877-381-3811. It is The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, from Talk Radio 1210, WPSG in Philadelphia. We're coming right back.
1: Mark Levin.
2: All right, let us go here on the Mark Levin Show to Vinny in Fort Collins, Colorado. Vinny, what do you think of the RNC? How are you doing?
11: Hello, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. I just have a few comments here. I think the only thing that Biden has for him uh, is one thing that's going to help him very, very much winning the presidency, which is one thing called fraud. Okay. Other than that, people don't like what he preaches. People don't like what he does. And it's a big, big difference if you watch the RNC and if you watch the DNC. I'm an immigrant myself from the country of Brazil, and I've seen it all. I know what these guys are talking about, what the uh, Democrats are doing. They try to get everybody on their payroll, and from that they control them because the next guy that comes in tries to take stuff away, and then uh, it doesn't work. So I think that both parties are important to balance them, each other out but uh, the Democrats just went way, way, way too far. I identified myself very much with the uh, gentleman from uh, uh, Cuba, and I, I agree 100% with uh, what he said. The other thing I just uh, want to point out, too, if I may, is sure. um, I'm not sure if, if this is a prank or not, but the, uh, if you type Antifa.com, Anywhere it takes you to uh, Joe Biden's website. Okay, I'm not sure if it was a Republican playing uh, uh, some sort of a um, uh, prank on him or right. him who did that or Antifa itself. But one thing for sure if it was Donald Trump who had a uh, KKK.com pointing to his website, I'm sure that's gonna that would have been a uh, uh, big, 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 big news. And uh, you know, people would be calling for him to disavow that. And no one I don't see anybody calling for Joe Biden to. This is about Antifa.com to uh, point to his website. And lastly, if I may try to uh, get my uh, points here real quick. Um, one point I, I've been trying to uh, spread out there is uh, we have three co-equal branch of branches of government, right? Mm-hmm. So Congress yeah. charged Donald Trump with obstruction of Congress. OK, so could Donald Trump charge Congress with obstruction of presidency? Isn't it that no. uh, we have equal rights on all all
2: branches? Uh, no, it doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, Congress has the uh, the power of, uh, of impeachment of the president. The president can't impeach Congress, but uh, he could dismiss him, which could be fun to watch. But uh, no, they police their own there. Vinny, thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. God bless and thanks for... Uh very positive phone call right there as an immigrant to the United States of America. Let's see here. Uh Nancy's in Napa, California. Also a great uh wine presence there in Napa. Hi Nancy. Hi, how are
9: you? I'm not the Nancy from Napa that you might be afraid of. <laughs> I'm a different Nancy.
2: <laughs> well no, I just I love um, Napa wine, so you know, it's good to have you.
9: Yeah. Me too. So I have two things I'm a little concerned about. If 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 President Trump tries to debate Joe Biden and Joe Biden looks pathetically weak,
2: um, I th- I think he may come across as looking like he's bullying him. Good, good. A little bit. Yeah, let him bully Joe. Good. Uh, People uh, like that. They like that kind of strength from their leaders. They don't want uh, wimps up there. Yeah, but I think the blowback
9: from the Democrats is going to be, oh, they were bullying him, poor Joe, you know, that kind of Yeah, thing. but do
2: you want a weak thing- president who's going to get bullied? Because, you know, if the, if the candidate will do it to you, then world leaders will do it to you, and that's how people think.
9: Well, that's the other side of it. I mean, I think we, we can already pretty much see that if Joe Biden continues the way he is, even without the debate, um, he's no match for Putin. I mean, come on. I mean, Come on, man! Just, Come on, they would man! Just bury him. They would just bury him. The other thing is, I'm wondering if—and uh, this is just kind of the funny side of life. Um, you remember back? I don't know if everybody remembers that, but back when um, Clint Eastwood ran for mayor of Carmel, yeah, and um, he debated the chair, and he did really well.
2: I mean, yeah, look, ex- if, if, if Trump is very smart, if if Joe Biden doesn't show up, Donald Trump's going to own that time, and he's going to have that time to himself, and. Uh, whether it's debating a cardboard cutout of Joe Biden or it's debating a, a highlight reel of Biden's gaffes, he's going to do that. And they know that. And, uh, Nancy, they're, they're, they they have to be aware of that, the Biden campaign.
9: I hope so. Well, I hope they're not really because they just continue to make themselves look foolish. Oh, Very <laughs> good point.
2: Thank you for the call to The Mark Levin Show. Have a great night, Nancy. Thank you for that. What do you think? Do you think Biden will actually debate? What do you think of my theory that he'll debate once and that'll be the end of it? It's me, Rich Zioli, for The Great One, Mark Levin, here on The Mark Levin Show. I want to take your thoughts on this. Something else to think about, too. The first debate is one month from today. Who will the moderators be? And can Trump get any moderators who will be fair to him? That's another question. We're coming right back. Don't go away.
1: Mark Levin, the most passionate conservative on radio. Talk with him now at 877-381-3811.
2: So, you know, I really liked how last night in the speech, the president went after Joe Biden's record. And uh, here on The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, great to be with you tonight. Fellow Levinites, what would you think, by the way? What would you think of the speech? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? I'm very excited for the debates. One month from basically tomorrow, I think, is the first one. August, uh, September 29th will be the first presidential debate. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I think that I think Trump's going to lay into Joe Biden in a way that Joe Biden is not going to even be able to sustain his ability to uh, not say stupid things. Because I don't think he has an ability to not say stupid things. So Trump is just going to basically just needle him here and there enough. And Joe Biden's just going to let it all go go loose. And then the whole argument that he's presidential and he's the guy that can heal America, that all goes out the window. Although I think that's already out the window, personally. 877-381-3811. Here's uh, Steve in Michigan on The Mark Levin Show. Hi, Steve.
12: Hey, Rich. Thanks for taking my call this evening. You got it. The, um, I watched the, uh, the convention all week, and uh, yesterday was, of course, the pinnacle of it. Um, And as I watched through, I have never been more proud to be an American citizen, or more proud of a president, his family, his supporters than I was yesterday. I could just feel the pride beaming as I was going through, uh, watching that uh, performance yesterday. And uh, as it was drawn to an end, and they were finishing up on the fireworks, I wanted to kind of get a feel for what some of the commentators were saying at the end, because of course that would give you their perspective and and what they're going to try to talk us out of from what we just saw. And I, I heard two themes among BBC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. Uh, the first one was that he seemed very subdued, and it wasn't the energy that we would normally see from one of Trump's campaign rallies. Now, had he have come out and performed that way, they would have probably said he's not acting presidential. Well, my interpretation of what I saw and heard from them was that, wow, this guy was really presidential tonight. We got to come up with something to make it, you know, to bash him a little bit. And then the other one that I heard, pretty, uh, pretty common theme was uh, that that it took too long, that he spoke too long. And I'm thinking, you know, for many people inside um, the United States of America, they have not heard many of those accomplishments that Trump made while he was making them because the press would subdue them and talk about bad things. And so to go back through and refresh our memories for those of us who did hear them as they were being accomplished, that was just fantastic for me. And it needed to take that long to remind people and to expose people for the first time some of the things that he has done during his presidency.
2: All right, my friend. Well, thank you for your thoughts on that. I appreciate it very, very much. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Glad to hear that you enjoyed the night. I think it was a great week for them. I really do. It was a home run. Some really incredibly positive moments, no doubt about that. Uh, Elaine is in Los Angeles, California. Hi, Elaine, here on The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich. Good evening.
9: Hi, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to talk to, uh, talk to anybody, really, because they're not talking about it, about the fact that these headlines, when the, they call them victims, and I'm a compassionate person, so I don't want people to get injured. But when it comes to the news and somebody gets either injured or shot by police, they don't take two steps back and take a look at the whole picture. The reason why that person's in that predicament is probably because they were breaking some type of law. They
2: were well, well, maybe. Before. And look, I, I think, I, you know, here's the thing, and this is important, right? The, the mistake that all of these people on the left do is they, they immediately rush to judgment and they take the streets. I like getting the facts out. I like getting the investigation to go through. I think that's very important to do. So I'm, I'm going to just hold on your call for tonight. And I appreciate the call. Lane. I just I, everything's coming out about this. And I think as the truth comes out, as all the details come out, it's going to be a much different picture than what's been painted. But I'm pretty consistent on this across the board. I, I like to have all the facts before I start talking about an individual situation. One of the biggest complaints that I have, and I'm not, I'm not being critical of Elaine, I'm just saying that just for me to engage in the conversation about what took place there with uh, Jacob Blake in uh, in, in Wisconsin, I, I like to have all the facts at my disposal. I think it's good and healthy to take a breath, get the information, figure it out. Tim Scott was making a similar point on this the other night. You know, He was talking about how if you want justice, it was his point to people that were out there, peacefully protesting. If you want justice, wait till all the facts come out. Figure out what took place. Don't rush to judgment. Don't make assumptions. There'll be a process. There'll be an investigation. Everything comes to light eventually. And that's important. And I, you know, just for me personally, I try to I try to live that in life when when events like this happen. I, I try to wait until everything comes through, because looking at something for a few seconds on a on a cell phone video does not tell the full story. Obviously, it doesn't. And it's important to remember that because um, otherwise, why have an investigation? Just put it out to the mob on Twitter and let, let, let Twitter decide guilt or innocence, justice or not. The biggest frustration that I have right now, the biggest frustration I have is that everybody thinks that they know what happened from watching something on social media. Everybody's an expert on social media. You realize that? Everybody's an expert. We have investigators. We have a prosecutor, we have a district attorney, we've got internal affairs, we've got other agencies that will look into this. The FBI will look into this. The, the, the Civil Rights, the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division will look into this. There are going to be so many people looking into this, and the facts will come out, as the facts always do. And that's important to remember. So I look forward to having that conversation when all the facts do come out, because I think it's important to have. And one of the I don't know, I mean, I guess we live in just a time and age where everybody figures you, you get uh, you get credit for having a go from the gut kind of a impulsive answer to what took place by going, well, based on what I saw, this is what I think. All right. Well. Let them investigate it, let them figure it out. You know, Mark Levin will tell you from being a, a, a former Chief of Staff to an attorney general, there's very smart people who are going to look at the entire evidence, talk to people, look at all angles of the video, figure out what was happening, figure out the weapon, the circumstances, interviews have to happen. It's very important that justice should be, in my opinion, slow in these matters, should have a process by where things are deliberately slow so that you don't have emotions and impulses ruling the day. Because if you were in a situation where you were accused of something, either as a police officer or as a civilian, you'd want to make sure that justice had a very, very sober mind and was taking its time to figure out the truth of what happened in that moment. 877 381 One of my favorite lines from President Trump last night in his speech was when he went after Biden's record. He said, it's a shameful roll call. I really like this too. Catastrophic betrayals and blunders. And then he went into them went into various betrayals and blunders here. Cut number four.
3: We have spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. Biden's record is a shameful roll call of the most catastrophic betrayals and blunders in our lifetime. He has spent his entire career on the wrong side of history. Biden voted for the NAFTA disaster the single worst trade deal ever enacted. He supported China's entry into the World Trade Organization, one of the greatest economic disasters of all time. After those Biden calamities, the United States lost one in four manufacturing jobs. We laid off workers in Michigan, Ohio, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and many other states They didn't want to hear Biden's hollow words of empathy. They wanted their jobs back. As Vice President, he supported the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would have been a death sentence for the U.S. auto industry. He backed the horrendous South Korea trade deal, which took many jobs from our country and which I've reversed and made a great deal for our country. He repeatedly supported mass amnesty for illegal immigrants. He voted for the Iraq war. He opposed the mission to take out Osama bin Laden. He opposed killing Soleimani. He oversaw the rise of ISIS and cheered the rise of China as a positive development for America and the world, some positive development.
2: That that whole section of speech was just a home run, in my opinion. Really, A-plus stuff. All those states the president mentioned, too. Do you notice how he mentioned the swing states? Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin. He, he mentioned those states. Pennsylvania, where, of course, I'm broadcasting from tonight. The entire idea that Joe Biden is going to be able to come into Pennsylvania or Ohio or Michigan or Wisconsin after embracing the Green New Deal and convince workers, hey, Listen, yeah, I'm going to take your job. You're going to be laying broadband cable. Don't sweat it, man. It's all good. Not going to work. It's not going to work. I said a year and a half ago, and I'll be proven right on Election Day, I think. I said that Joe Biden cannot win Pennsylvania because in order for him to become the nominee, he has to embrace the far left policies of the radicals in the party. And once he does that, his goose is cooked when it comes to trying to run as a moderate in the general election. Because there's so many people in these various industries, like fracking, for example, who don't want to lose their jobs. 877-381-3811 here on The Mark Levin Show. Let's go to Sean. He's in Columbia, Maryland. Hello, Sean.
11: Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. And you know, this is a great show. Thank uh, you. Biden has no choice. He's going to have to debate him. And I'm, I'm with you on just the one, because he'll get destroyed during the first debate, and they won't be able to roll him out anymore. Right. But if he... If he decides that he's not going to debate, or if they find some way of excusing him out, the American people are not stupid. They're going to see what's going on. And uh, he's going to have to come out. Do you remember when Biden said that he wanted to take Trump behind the schoolyard and, and, and settle like a man back in the day? Yeah, well, just stand I hear, yep. Yeah. yeah, just stand up and debate. That's all you got to do. Tell us that you can you know, stay focused for an hour, and then we'll, you know, we'll go from there. But anyway, great show, man. Thanks for taking my call.
2: Hey, Sean, you got it. Thank you for calling the Mark Levin Show. Appreciate it very much. Jimmy's in Brooklyn, New York. Jimmy, how are you, sir?
13: Yeah, I, I didn't. I'm doing well. I didn't miss a minute of the Republican Convention, man. Everything was like a perfectly oiled, well-running machine. Everybody, the the speakers, the stories we heard, we didn't know anything about. All the successes, all the things he was doing, makes you wonder what the hell were all the other presidents doing. My favorite one, I had a couple of favorites, the Cuban guy who understood Castro and communism. I got emotional hearing him. And the nun who had a story. They could make a movie about her. A woman who wanted to be a doctor, so she joins the military, becomes a doctor for 29 years. She's working in the military as a doctor, helping wounded soldiers and and, and civilians. And then she becomes a nun? And her line about Jesus dying on the cross because he wasn't politically correct, and she, she said she supports life and she supports eternal life. I would love to hug her with a distance, you know, no body contact. I'd love to hug her as a human to another human. I thought she was fantastic. And the people from New York, the Hispanic women, I think she was like a tenant's organization or something, working in New York City housing, praising Trump administration for trying to clear up the mess that are New York City's public housing. I was amazed at all of this, compared to the Democrat convention, where it was all hate. You know, the danger to America is not white supremacy, it's Marxist supremacy, so we are now in a battle, and it's like, it's like God put Trump right here to save us from the mess that we're in, and he's doing a, a tremendous job, better than I ever imagined.
5: Uh, Jimmy,
2: thank you. I appreciate the uh, review of the convention tonight. Thank you very much for that here on The Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811. Rick is in Freehold, New Jersey. Good evening, Rick. Hello, good evening. Uh,
14: you're doing a great job filling in, and I'm also a fan of your morning show.
2: Oh, thank you, um, sir. Appreciate that.
14: Uh, I'm just hoping that enough people are, are seeing this. I don't know what the ratings are. I know that I had to miss a couple of days because I had um, some uh, commitments that I couldn't get to the, uh, and I have to watch the, the um, reruns on the computer. But the people that the the base is watching this, but I don't know if people like the independents or the people that we need to put him over the uh, top are um, watching. Just like I understand, I think you and some other folks on the radio, including Mark Levin, were, was saying that the Democratic National Convention was hopefully designed to be boring so people wouldn't yes. watch, so people wouldn't see the yes. message that they were trying to put out. And I'm wondering if the opposite is happening here, and are Republicans watching or are independents or are people watching
2: it's a great uh, no. point. It's a great, great, Rick, it's a great point. Because, yes, you have a very good memory. I said that last week. I said the Democrats want you to not watch. They want you to not watch. They, 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 they did a boring convention on purpose so you would find something else to watch. They did not want you to tune in. You're 100 percent right. And when it comes to the Republicans, did people watch? I don't know. One thing I will say to you, and I said this on the show this morning, is that people are still on vacation. It's the summer. Kids haven't gone back to school yet. People will tune in. And when they tune in, Rick, I think that that's advantaged Trump even more than it is right now. Thanks for the call, my friend. Appreciate it very much to The Mark Levin Show and for listening to my show, which is on from 530 to 9 every morning on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia. I appreciate that. All right. Your thoughts when we get back and the final moments together. It's always an honor filling in for the great one. Always an honor to hang out with you, my fellow fellow Levinites. It's been a long day, right? going on like 20 minutes sleep, maybe. Maybe 20 minutes. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
0: AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about.
2: So now that Democrats are realizing, holy cow, all these riots are hurting us and helping Donald Trump, will there be a change? Will Joe Biden come out and make a forceful speech against it? Well, he can't. He can't because these are his people. And he knows that. He knows that. Will he dodge the debates? All these questions are great tonight, right? Great questions to have. I thought the president, the, the entire RNC was fantastic. It was a great night last night. Uh, The final speech from the president, you're going to see he's he's ready. He's in the zone. He's ready to fight Biden. Give him the opportunity. I'm at the debate stage. And Trump is going to pummel him on the record. And that's what you got to do. Let us go to Jeff in Fort Myers, Florida, on the Mark Levin show. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sure. Go ahead, sir. Quickly.
0: Yeah. uh, Quickly, I wanted to say, yeah, Nancy Pelosi is in pure panic mode. She does not want Biden to get under that debate stage with Trump. And here's the reason why, or at least one of them. If there's a contested presidential election in November, come January 20th, if it's still contested, the House and the Senate could actually put number three into the presidency, and that happens to be Nancy Pelosi.
2: Not necessarily true, exactly. But I see your point, though, in terms of what she doesn't, why she doesn't want Biden to be on that debate stage. Thank you for the call, Jeff. Appreciate it. It will be the uh, top three winners of the. Uh, Top three most vote getters, if there's no winner of the Electoral College, they'll go to the House of Representatives. Each state will get one vote and they have to choose of the top three who are on the ballot this year. And then, uh, you know, I think, again, it's advantage Trump if you look at the states. Hey, listen, thank you for hanging out with me tonight. It's always an honor to fill in for Mark. Always an honor to be with you, my fellow Levinites. I'll be back Monday morning, 530 to 9 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. And the great one... Mark Levin will be back Monday night. It's me, Rich Zioli, saying thank you. Have a great weekend. God bless. We'll see you soon.
4: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.